Say, saying I have no reason to praise, I will give thanks. I will give thanks. With the roar that I hear, is the voice of my fear trying to silence this hope in my heart. I will give thanks. Oh, I will give thanks. Song of thanksgiving is my battle cry. Destroy as my weapon, I stand and defy. The lie of the dark with my hands lifted to the sky. I will
Isn't it great? It warmed up this morning for us, didn't it? Better than it has been. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, welcome. You're not here as an accident. You're here to worship with our Lord this morning, so welcome. Hope we get a chance to visit with you a little more after service is over with. There's little cards in the pew in front of you. You Please fill those out. You can put them in the offering baskets or in the, our box out in the front, and we'll get a chance to touch base with you later on in the week. But again, welcome. Uh, again, just a few announcements, uh, some of those that we go over each week. Uh, we're collecting toothbrushes and toothpaste for Umbelary Assisted Ministry. This week, we continue to collect diapers for the source, which is one of our outreach ministries. So please help us with those as much as you can. Reminder, Wednesday night, we have adult uh, class here. We have the youth get together. Uh, us get together. The kiddos get together. They you know, one of the groups that are memorizing uh, scripture. So we encourage you to bring your kiddos up here. <clears throat> a couple of real special announcements. One is we remind you guys that uh, on February the 6th at 630, we're going to fellowship here together. Uh, we're going to have pizza. Tim has already offered, not Tim Mobile, Tim behind you, Tim. I didn't want this Tim to panic. Uh, Tim has offered to bring a no-calorie dessert. Uh, so, guys, please come and join us for fellowship. Just some good time of guys getting together, getting to know each other, and we look forward to it. Also, on Tuesday night at 6.30, our prayer warriors get together, and they pray for the church, for each other, and for the needs of those in the community. And so that's an awesome time. And we also have prayer partners in the back If sometime during the service. If you're moved to go to him in prayer, they're back there to pray with you and to pray for you. Also, on February the 10th, from 6 to 8 p.m., the ladies, the youth uh, girls, of our, or the youth ladies, I should say, uh, are having a dinner. It's from 6 to 8. It's called the Galentine's event. We do it each year. Uh, the cost of the dinner is just through a love offering. If you're just wanting to give to women's ministry to help cover that, please just mark your check or make a note that it is for the Galentine event. <clears throat> that is going to be awesome again. And, guys, if you're not busy, maybe that evening you want to come up here and help serve those ladies. That would be awesome also. Uh, we like to take our offerings in an envelope. The envelopes are in uh, front of you, uh, as well as prayer cards. We also take uh, offering online. It's real easy to do if you go online and just uh, and give. We appreciate everything that you give to his kingdom so that we can share with the community and those that are in need, and we appreciate that. Again, it's uh, great to see each of you uh, here this morning. Oh, by the way, your end-of-year giving statements will be out front after service if you want to pick those up because uh, I know the joy of doing your taxes at this time this year. So we want to make sure that you get those. So, again, welcome. It's good to see each of you. Let's turn and greet each other in the name of Christ.
breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing
Do you thirst for a drink? 
have a seat. We're about to enter into our prayer time. You know, for the last uh, three weeks, uh, and you will continue to hear this for several more weeks, uh, we want to understand at a deeper level what our relationship is with Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus died for forgiveness of our sins when we truly repent. But you know what else he died for? He died so that we might be his servants, so we might follow him. Melanie saw a sign, not on a church, but on a business yesterday. And the sign said, God does not want just weekend visits. 
God wants each day to be with him, to be his servant. So continue to pray for, for our direction here at this church. We want to speak the truth. We want to be his servants. We want to be as loyal as those disciples. When Jesus said, follow me, they got up and followed him with no real clue where he was going. We want to have that relationship and that trust in him to continue to follow him. So prepare your hearts to crawl up in his lap and go to that throne of grace to seek forgiveness, to seek direction, Let him love on you, for you are his child. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come in awe of your sovereign power. Giving thanks for the opportunity to worship with you. We know your word says the truth will set us free. And we seek that freedom in you. Father, we give thanks for those that have been ill, that are back with us. For your healing hand to have been upon them. For those that you continue to heal. We pray for those caregivers, for the doctors and the nurses, for the family members that are your hands and feet, that are your smile, that are your words of encouragement. Father, we hold up those that this morning at boot camp reached out to you. Some maybe for the first time. We give thanks for the opportunity to worship with them and to pray with them and to pray for them. Let us not forget them during this week. We pray for those that are still in need of healing, those that suffer from cancer and from various diseases. Father, we know that you, the mighty physician, that you can perform what we call miracles. But in reality, it's just you being God. We pray for travel mercies for those that are away from us this week. We ask that you bring them safely back to us. Watch over and keep them, Father, as they are away. Father, we pray for those that protect us, both here and abroad. We pray for their families, Father, that when those folks are away, that you would watch over and keep them and protect them also and give them the words of encouragement that you, a sovereign God, are in control of all things. Father, we pray for this church. We pray for your church universal. We pray that thy will be done. 
We pray for those that are in harm's way, for those that are at war right now, Father, for those that are discriminated against, for those that are held captive. That you would release them and make them free, Father. For those that do not know you, Father, we pray for them. We pray that we have the opportunity to be your hands and feet, to be your voice that shares your love, your grace, your mercy with them. That they may know you, that they may follow you. So we seek an opportunity to be your obedient servants, Father. pray this morning for your message and for Pastor Zeke, that his words would be your words, that you would open our hearts to hear what you're speaking to us individually and collectively as the body of Christ. Father, forgive us of our sins. May you hear the cry of your people this morning as they truly repent. We give thanks for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Father, we close this prayer as we should close each prayer. Not being about us, but being about you. So may your will be done. And all that love you say, amen. Kiddos are released for uh, Children's Church as uh, Pastor Zeke comes up. Can we give our worship team a round of applause for an awesome job that they did once again this morning. Thank you guys so much. Morning. Thank you, brother. Excuse me. You know, thank you so much for your prayers. I've, uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks, but uh, praise God that full restoration happens sometimes. And you know, it's awesome that there's only two things that heal, the body that God designed and God himself. You know, all the supplements and medications that we take and care, we're just giving the body what it needs to do what God designed it to do. And so praise the Lord every time that you are healed. And so thank you guys so much for your prayers. We are in a series where we're revisiting a, uh, what might be helpful in aligning our spirit with God. It might seem like we're revisiting the Christian basics, but that's not what this is. It's, it's revisiting the, the rudiments of what a right relationship with God looks like. As we said before, being a child of God is not just about getting to heaven. It's not about just getting a ticket out of what we deserve as a result of our own sin that separated us from God. It's about us leaving out eternity right now. It's not just waiting for eternity to come. You're living the eternity, eternally as God's child today if you belong to him in saving faith in Jesus Christ. When I was very young, uh, from my freshman year to my senior year, in youth ministry, we went through 11 youth leaders, 
we were really bad kids, I guess. I'm not really sure. One guy lasted three days. He got hired on Friday, and he quit on Monday. I'm like, are we really that bad? Uh, Oscar and I could probably uh, tell you some stories of some of, the, some of these guys. And, and I remember being really bothered that we didn't have a, a, a real youth ministry in, my, in our church. And, uh, you know, Pastor Mark uh, shared with me, uh, I mean, obviously not too long ago, that some of the things that bother you the most are the things you're most passionate about. When you hear someone that is bothered by something, they are probably revealing an area of their life that God said, hey, I want you to be passionate about this. I want you to meet the need here in a way that just disturbs you on the inside. What is it that you can do to, do, to join me in what I'm doing with this? That bothered me a lot with uh, what was happening with our youth ministry. I just wanted to have, I hear about these churches that have these thriving youth ministries, and I didn't want to go anywhere else. I wanted our church to have this thriving youth ministry. And I graduated. That, that opportunity had passed, but it was still in my heart. And I really felt that this is what, where God was leading me. And I went into my pastor's office, and I shared with him that I felt that God was calling me into ministry. And I remember him and his in his office with this stressed out look on his face. He took off his glasses and looked at me and said, Zeke, listen to me. If you can do anything else, do that. Unless you know beyond a shadow of doubt that God's called you. And I said, no, I, I think he has. And, um, and so I developed this plan about how I was going to serve God in youth ministry. I, I came up with my own strategy, my own plans on how this is going to happen, which was mistake number one. I uh, moved here to Houston because this is where my family was from. I quit the job that I had in El Valle, and I came out here to Houston, and I was going to work for three, week, uh, three weeks, for three months to save up some money. And I was going to live with my family, get some job, save up as much as I could, because I got accepted to a college in Marietta, California. And so I, just, I got accepted there. I just wanted to save up some money for my first semester. And I found the highest-paying, hardest job I could find, which was flood damage restoration. I don't know if you've ever done any flood damage work, but it is uh, grueling work. But high paying. I would go to work at 7 a.m. I wouldn't walk through the threshold of my house in the evening until 9 p.m. every day. This was one of the most difficult jobs I had. It was the reason why it was so long is because we had crazy business, this company. When I finished training, it was when Hurricane Ike started to form. We didn't know it was going to hit Houston, but once it hit, I mean, we, we had jobs every day, huge jobs every day. And on paper, I was making a lot of money. I kept going, and I remember coming home so late at night just thinking, God, I can't keep this up. I, I am beyond exhausted. Please give me strength to do this another day so I can continue serving you. You need to know that at this time, I was focused only on this job. Forgive me. Can you give me another mic, brother? Sure. This, um, excuse me for just a minute. This plan was spending me, all of me.
Check, check. There you go. That's what we want. I told the Lord, I got, God, I can't keep this up. I am beyond exhausted. I, I don't know how long I keep doing this, but you know what? Just give me another day. I'm only going to be doing this for three. This is just a season, right, Lord? You've called me to do this. This is, about, this is according to your plan, right? This is your ideas. Um, give, me another, give me strength for another day so I can get this money so I can go to Bible college. I had this non-refundable one-way plane ticket to Ontario, California, with a, uh, a shuttle from the school scheduled to pick me up. This day was quickly approaching, but I still hadn't gotten paid yet. A week goes by, still no money. Two weeks, I started making phone calls to this company, like, hey, what's going on? I'm not the only one who wasn't getting paid. Four weeks go by. No money. Here's the problem. I had saved a little little bit of money, but I had to spend that to buy some tools so I can get through these jobs a lot quicker. I ended up with these new tools, no money in the savings, thinking that I would not only make up the cost of these tools, but I would have even more so at the end of this. And I had nothing. I remember I was sitting in my bed with this plane ticket in my hand, no payments yet, no savings, no money. And I had these tears coming down my face. Just wondering, praying, asking God, what happened? I've been working so hard so I could do this for you. I've been working so hard so I can put myself in a place to be trained to do the the work that you've called me to do. I've had this all planned out, Lord. What happened? I still wanted to reach people for Christ. I, I sought to do my part in expanding the kingdom of God. And I was willing to do the hard work. But yet the result was failure. I was confused as to why God did not bless my efforts to do his will. Notice, I was wondering why God did not bless my efforts, my plan as to how I was going to serve him. What I wanted to do for him. How often do we come up with our own plans on what we want to do for God and then expect God to get on board with those plans and bless our efforts? Is that how the servant-master relationship is supposed to work? Hey, God, here are the things that I'm good at. Here are the things that I want to do for you. And by the way, I'm going to need your help to do all this. My plans, though, may be admirable, had been misdirected. My efforts were being misdirected. The Lord was waiting for me to surrender to him first. The Lord was waiting for me to surrender my next steps to him, making myself available for the work that he wanted to do. He began changing my perspective, challenging me to see that there is a difference between man-centered and God-centered activity. I found a local church and a volunteer to serve there in their youth ministry. Only this time, I didn't, have my, I didn't develop my own plans or my own ideas on what I needed to do. I simply served, served as needs presented themselves. I was given a group, a little small group of eight students. That group grew on Wednesday nights. Then they put us all in a class 
And that class grew. And all I was doing is what God said in moment-to-moment obedience. Later on, they put me in a, in a couple other classes on Sunday mornings. At the time, I was serving at a, I was working. I, had a, I found a job. I was working at a, at a dog hotel. A hotel for dogs. Okay? And uh, I was in charge of upselling people who wanted to schedule a, a stay with us. And... Um, we, I, and I would upsell them in, uh, instead of getting this little room for their dog. I'd say, oh, no, they don't need the dog. They don't need that little room. They need a suite that has a bed, a full human-sized bed with a TV in the corner with doggy massages every day and frosty paws to eat as a snack. I'd write these $500 tickets. I was good at this. I don't know. I was like, all right, we got, got, I got really good at this, Lord. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing here, Lord? Is this the plan? Is this what I'm going to be doing? The Bible says, do all things to the glory of the Lord. I was selling those sweets to the glory of the Lord, I guess. Trying to do the things the best I could wherever I was. But asking the question, God, is this it? Praise the Lord that a pastor from that church, he took me out to lunch and said, Jake, we'd like for you to come on staff with us. Get me out of this dog hotel. Guys, it was, it, this is a crazy journey. Uh, they hired me as a middle school guy, and again, my, my perspective didn't change. Lord, you know I have nothing to offer. I can only follow you. I don't do a lot of things right. But one thing we can always do right is what the Lord calls us to do is moment to moment. I hired as middle school guy, the youth pastor left. They asked me if I would in-room. Two summers went by. They hired me full-time, and I got to serve there for eight and a half years. Doing what God called me to do way back when. That passion that God instilled. Speaking the life of young people. A passion that's still very much on fire today. Not because my plan worked out the way I set out for it, the way I thought it should work out. Nothing really shifted in any real impactful way until I surrendered my own self, everything about what I was going to do for the Lord, over to him. I saw that God could do more in just a few weeks than I could ever accomplish in the years of my own efforts. Some of us, like myself, have to learn this the hard way. I had to learn a very important understanding about the Lord's work. It is not about the task. It is about the relationship. And I hope that would become very clear by the end of this. I had been so busy working hard for God that I hadn't spent any real time enjoying fellowship with God. I wasn't going to church. I was too busy. I had too many jobs to do. I wasn't doing a lot of prayer. I was too exhausted. As soon as I got home, my head hit the pillow. I was out. The next memory I had was waking up, getting ready for work. I was working for the Lord. I'm doing all this for God. His kingdom work became about the task, not about the relationship. The more I grew in my personal relationship with God, the more he accomplished his purposes in my life. Listen to me. If a job or a life plan 
comes at the expense of your relationship with God, then your efforts are probably being misdirected. I want us to see something very clear about who Jesus was. If there's anybody on this planet who has ever lived who should know what God wants him to do, it was Jesus. But I want you to see his perspective in a very impactful passage of God's word. You see, God will not call you to do something that compromises your relationship with him. He does not need you to do anything for him. The reason he wants you involved is because he loves you. This is, I hope, something that we see in this passage. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to John chapter 5. We're going to be in verse number 17. As you're turning there, let me ask you this question. What is the will? When we talk about free will or, or the will of God or when we're talking about the will, what is it? What is the will exactly? If Jesus is going to be our model as to what it means to follow the will of God, what is the will? The will is defined as the faculty by which a person decides on and initiates action. If that's the case, then who initiates the will of God? You? You say, this is what I want to do for God? I'm going, to do the, the, I'm going to fulfill the will of God in my life, and I'm going to do it this way. Do we initiate the fulfillment of God's will in your life? This is going to be important. The answer to that question will be important later. Here's what's happening in this passage, just to give us a little bit of background, what's going on in this, in this, in this verse. Jesus had just healed the paralytic. And he, and, he, and he told him to pick up his bed and walk. And this took place on the Sabbath, which you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so the Jews at the time that were upset about this are going to be addressed by Jesus himself. This is verse number 15. The man, the paralytic, went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him, who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Verse number 19, Jesus, came, Jesus gave them this answer. Truly, very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. All right, let's unpack this just a little bit. First thing to notice here is how interested these guys were in the task of keeping the Sabbath. They were walking with God in moment-to-moment obedience here. Otherwise, they would have seen the real need in this paralytic and would have rejoiced at the fact that he was healed. What 
were they missing? What became important in that moment? The task of the Sabbath. The relationship was missing. Jesus said to them, hold on, do you think that I'm the one that's doing this? Do you think this work is by my own hand? I can do nothing by myself. They, they consider what Jesus was doing as work, work, working on the Sabbath. And so he tells them in verse 17, my father is working. My father is always at work, even to this day. You're not accusing me for this work. I can do nothing by myself. Your accusations are actually against my father. He did this on this very day that you're so upset about. They ignore this point and say, oh, he said my father. Are you saying you are equal with God? He, Jesus just made an incredible point. Say, I can't do this. You know I can't do this. And they focus on the words, my father. Interestingly, Jesus did not say your father or our father. I think he was being more purposeful than they, than they realized. Now let's just think for a second here. Why did Jesus heal this man? Why create a ruckus like this? Jesus followed the law. And it's true that they were not to labor on the Sabbath. That was true. So why did Jesus do this? Jesus was correcting their understanding. This isn't all that different than the several times that Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Now, you've heard it said, uh, do, 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 not, uh, do not kill, do not murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've committed murder already. You've, you have heard do not commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you look after a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart already. He's clarifying what the Word of God says, the law of God, giving them an understanding that they didn't have. In this case, Jesus was showing them that God's continuous work in his creation, this work that he was doing, is justified. It is justified for his... Uh, he was justified in doing this on the Sabbath. In other words, yes, God rested from his work on the seventh day of creation, which is where the Sabbath comes from, emulating God's rest on the seventh day. But God still sustains the whole universe on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, God still brings new life into the world. On the Sabbath, God, uh, God still administers judgment. It was not a violation of God's law to be God's instrument of grace and mercy on the Sabbath. Jesus was only doing, listen to me, he was only doing what God himself was already doing. And so he says, probably the most important words of our study this morning, verse number 19. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Listen, if, if we're serious about seeking the will of God, here's a question we need to stop asking. What is God's will for my life? That is the wrong starting point. If we're serious about seeking the will of God, 
this would be a wrong starting point because it is a self-focused question. What is God's will for my life? The better question would be, what is God's will? Look, we are naturally self-focused people. We tend to view the happenings in this world and, and, and even God's activities sometimes in terms of how it affects me. But, I mean, of course, we want to know what we should do and, and how those things will affect us, but that is actually a very inward-focused perspective. Once I know the will of God, it's only then that my life will gain the proper perspective and I can now confidently and joyfully adjust my life to what God is doing. In other words, we need to stop wondering what you should be doing for God and start joining him in what he's already doing. Jesus was just seeing what God was doing and joining in with his work. What is God purposing to accomplish where I am? Think about this. What is God doing with you? Challenging morning today. I don't usually use this one. Appreciate y'all's patience. Even I'm distracted by all this. You know, the Lord has really started something very special here at Calvary. The purpose for these messages that we're covering with y'all in these last few weeks and the weeks coming is going to tie in with what God has revealed to our pastor staff. So it makes sense that I'm having, uh, we're having some uh, distraction here because this is a prime preparation for what's coming. So I hope you hear very closely to this next part. The servant-master relationship is very sweet. This is not the master telling the servant, here's what I want you to do, go do it. Come back and give me a report not what God does at all. God doesn't say, here's the task. Go out into the field and accomplish it and come back and tell me how it went. Now, a good master would give the person the tools and, and make sure he's equipped to do the task that he's assigned. 
God's even better than that. God doesn't send you out in the field. God's already in the field. He's calling his beloved to come join him in the field. Here, I want you to come do this. I don't know how to do that. I know. Come over here. I'm going to show you. I want you to do this with me. Let me ask you this. When Jesus said, I can only do what I see my father doing, what ministry work do you think Jesus was gifted at? What do you think Jesus would have been good at doing ministry-wise? What gifting do you think he had that he could utilize for the furtherance of God's kingdom? Which one? The, the, the gifts that we see described in, 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 uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Which one of those do you think was uh, elevated in Jesus' life? Which one do you think he could have exercised to benefit the people around him, to fulfill the will of God in some sort of way? I mean, all of them. Which one, which one didn't he have? And yet he said, I only do what I see my father doing. In fact, he said, I can only do what I see my father doing. Again, in, in the life of Jesus, who initiated the will of God? Not Jesus. He said, I only, do, I only go where I see my father going. Who initiates the will of God is not us. He does. This is about what God is doing right now, where you are, in your place of work, in your family, in your neighborhood, at your school, in this church. Listen, if we don't figure out what God is already doing and join in, you can spend many years working out your own plan on what you think you should be doing. And end up feeling lost, miserable, confused. It happens. It happens to people in church all the time. It happens to, to ministry leaders and pastors even. We'll tell God things like, well, this is what I want to do for you. This is, this is what I want to do for you at work. Okay, but that's not what I'm doing at your place of work. God, this is what I want to do for you at school. Okay, but that's not what I'm doing at your school. God, this is what I want to do for you and my family. Okay, but that's not what I'm doing with your family. God, this is what I want to do. When I do this is what I want to do for you at church. Okay, but that's not how I'm working in your church right now. You know, your pastors, Pastor Mark, Pastor Terry, humbly came before the Lord and asked him, God, what are you doing? in this community? And how can we as your church join you in that work? That question led them down a journey that ultimately led to a very clear plan that did not come from the mind of men, but it was a revelation of what God was already doing. Something you guys are going to be hearing very soon. Listen, instead of just doing something for God, the example we have in Jesus here is to surrender ourselves wholly. I mean completely. And commit to joining in the work that he's already started. The last thing to consider from this passage is something so very important. I hope this sticks with us for a long time. Why does God desire for us to partner with him at all? 
I mean, he doesn't need you to do anything. If he's already accomplishing his purposes and he doesn't need us to do any of it, why involve us at all? Listen, through action or inaction, man cannot thwart the plans of God. God will never be up in heaven looking down and go, oh, my plans are ruined. Thanks a lot, Pastor Mark. Thanks a lot, Zeke. Thanks a lot, Pastor Terry. I had an idea that I wanted. He's never up in heaven wondering what happened. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Okay, he's not surprised at how things pan out, specifically in regards to his, his will. That's what sovereignty is. Whether we obey him or not, God's word teaches us that his purposes will be fulfilled. Isaiah 46, 9 says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all of my purposes. So then, why must we join in? Why do we play a part at all? Why must we join him? In this effort, Jesus answers that question in a profound way in verse number 20. And I want you to read this very carefully. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. You know, when I was young, my, my dad, he was the plant manager of this giant factory in Mexico, in Zacatecas, Mexico, Concepcion del Oro. We would go there every summer, spend the whole summer with my dad. One of the things he would do with his managerial staff is he would, uh, he would organize this big chess tournament. It was, a big, it was a big deal. Every year they did this chess tournament. And my dad would play, and he was really good at chess. And they would give out these really big prizes for the, you know, the top performers, the, the winners. And I remember I was about 11, uh, and my dad said, uh, hey, hey, Ezekiel, I want you to uh, here, come, come over here. Come, come play chess with me. I need to practice. The dad, I don't know how to play chess. He's like, I know, I'm going to show you. I'll teach you how to play. And he did. I mean, he showed, he showed me all the pieces. He told me what they did, how to move, and we, we played a game. And every day, when he would come home from, from work, we'd play a game. We spent hours playing this game, and I got really into it. I, I, I got really into uh, uh, learning how to, uh, to strategize. I had a lot of questions, and he would teach me some ideas, but... I had a lot more questions on how to do certain things. And he said, well, look, if you really want to, if you're really interested in this, here, read this. This helped me out a lot. And it said, chess for dummies. I even remember what it looked like. It was a yellow book with a big uh, black chalkboard on there. I had, a, I had a guy with a triangle face and short hair. I mean, I looked through this book, and I read as much as I could because I wanted to be as good as my dad. And every day we would play, and every day I would try something else. And I remember starting to come up with my own ideas. I started coming up with my own strategies. And I, and I remember one time we were playing, it's toward the end of the game, and, and I moved this, this piece, and he goes, oh, no, son, yeah, yeah, you can't do that. I said, why not? He said, well, because, because then I'll lose. I'm like, Dad. And I remember this coming very sweet time with, with, with my dad. You know, when we're playing chess, my brothers and sisters couldn't bother us. He had to leave us alone while we were playing chess. I got to spend all this time with dad, just me and him. It was years later 
dawned on me. My dad didn't teach me how to play chess because he needed someone to practice with. He didn't show me how to play chess so I could go home and start a chess club. He didn't teach me how to play so I could make a career out of this. He wanted to spend time with me. He taught me how to play chess because he loved me. It was a sweet time that I spent with my dad. Just me and him. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. Why does he involve you? Because he loves you. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing because he loves you. And how often do we take this this opportunity and turn it to an empty task apart from God? God, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this thing. I'll tell you how it went. Where are you going? I'm over here. I want you to do this with me. I want you to walk with me. I'm only calling you to do this because I want to spend this sweet time with you. And guys, there is not a more beautiful place in the world to be than in the will of God. Walking with him step by step, moment to moment obedience. This is what the Lord was doing. This is what Jesus was doing with God. As he walked with the Lord, God said, there. Yes, Lord. Day by day, moment to moment, when God said, here, he said, yes, I will go. As Pastor Terry said earlier, it's not a weekend visit. Here's the assignment, go. This is us walking with the Lord. It's a very, very different perspective I'm hoping that we would walk in moving forward. What is God doing? Let us not ask anymore, what should I do for you, God? Let's ask, God, what are you doing? What are you doing here, Calvary? How can I join you with what you're doing? God, what are you doing in the content of my family? Because he's always working. That means he's working in your family. God, what are you doing in my family? And how can I join you? God, the place that I work, is far away from you. The people I work with are far apart from who you are. But Lord, you are always working. What are you doing in my place of work and how can I join you? Students, if you believe me, don't take my word for it. Take the word of Jesus. God is always working. That means he's working with you, around you, in your own school, in your own neighborhood. What is God doing in your school? What is God doing in your neighborhood, in your street? God is always working. Well, you know, Zeke, I haven't heard from God. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I, haven't, I, I, don't, I don't hear this clear voice of what I'm supposed to be doing. I just want to encourage you with one thing. This is not in my notes, but I want you to turn somewhere. You guys, if you have your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 8. Look into verse 47. probably one of the most sobering passages. But if we're not hearing from God, we need to consider there may be something going on here. If we're not hearing the direction from the Lord as if we are walking with him step by step, moment to moment, there may be something going on here. I want you to read something. It says in 
John chapter 8, verse number 47, it says, Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. You know what Jesus said? My sheep know my voice. He says, the most sobering, the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Listen to me. It is not about the task. It is about the relationship. You walk with God and not allowing any earthly desire to obstruct that relationship. And you'll hear from him. You stop walking in this empty religion and start walking in saving faith in a relationship with God through saving faith. You stop trying to do the right thing and start walking with him and he'll lead you to live righteously. You stop trying to cut these things off and say, God, I surrender my whole self to you. You mold me in the way you see fit. Listen to me. If we are not walking with God in saving faith, that is our first step. God, I need to be right with you. I know it is my sin that separated me from you, but I don't want to be separated anymore. I want what Christ accomplished on the cross to count for me too. Please forgive me. And please save me. Well, Zeke, I've done that. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time now. Okay. Let's shift our perspective. Let's start walking with him in a very real way, moment to moment, joining him in what he's already doing. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Father, it is abundantly clear in your word that religion will never satisfy. Accomplishing tasks will never, never satisfy the soul. No matter how hard we work, even if we're working to the point of exhaustion, thinking that we are accomplishing for you, we are missing something so huge. Father Jesus said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Father, if the work that we think or we are doing for you is breaking us, if it's compromising our love relationship with you, God, I pray that we would not go a day forward without reevaluating this area of our life. God, I think the enemy can get us caught up in doing, in being busy at the expense of our relationship with you. And God, I pray that that is not the content of anybody's heart in this room. But if, Lord, if you put your finger on, our, on that part of our heart, I pray, God, that today we lay that down and say, God, I can do nothing apart from you. I pray, Lord, we would recognize that we are nothing apart from you. That your word says that, you're, that our best works of righteousness are as filthy rags before you because you don't want our works. You want us. You want our heart. Because if you have our heart, you'll certainly have the content of our works. And I pray, God, that that's, just how, that's how we live. That, Lord, that we see these opportunities that you give us to advance your kingdom, to speak truth in the lives of the people around us, to serve those who are in need. 
Lord, I pray, God, that we would now see those opportunities as moments of intimacy with you. God, I pray that when we pray, we're not just speaking words. We're not just talking at you, but we're communing with you. God, I pray when we gather together in this, in this place of worship, we're not just doing this out of ritualistic practice or, or, or habit. Lord, that we are joining in with you, with what you're doing in this place. God, when we go to work, I pray, Lord, that we would take this, we would take this mindset with you that we are your kingdom. Wherever we go, we take your kingdom with us. Joining you with what you're doing in the places that you've planted us. God, I pray we would look at our families and ask what role do we play. And how we lead our families. And how we represent you to our spouse, how we represent you to our children, how we represent you to our siblings, to our parents. God, what are you doing in the content of my life, and how can I join you? Father, there is no greater place to be than in your will, in the way that Jesus modeled for us. I pray that would be a reality for everybody in this room. We love you, Father. We praise you. God, I thank you, Lord, for our pastors. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in them and through them and this journey that they'll be leading us down very soon. We love you, Father. We pray that your blessings will be on every effort that we have in, in, in following you, moment to moment, step by step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you guys have a wonderful day.